Welcome to the Language Games Podcast. My name is John Kaus, and today is part two of our Wittgenstein and Apologetics series. We turn now to the second principle of Wittgenstein's language games. He writes, Here it is difficult, as a word, to keep our heads up, to see that we must stick to the subjects of our everyday thinking, and not go astray and imagine that we have to describe subtleties, which in turn we are, after all, quite unable to describe with the means at our disposal. All language games have limits. We are not allowed to cross these limits and still communicate meaningfully. To leave the limits is to leave the light. Consider this example of literacy. When exactly does a child cross over from being illiterate to being literate? Maybe you watch a child attempting to read and say, yes, here at this sentence, the child has become literate. But was this true when he read the first word of that sentence? What about the second word? The tenth word? Where exactly did the light turn on for the child? These are not meaningful questions to ask because our language game cannot answer them. We can identify when a child is illiterate. We can also identify later the same child as being literate. But where exactly the crossing over happens, we have no idea. We at best can give a period of time. Consider another example. When is someone said to have entered a room? Precisely at what location has this event occurred? When one foot is in the door? When half of his body? It is obvious when someone is outside of the room, and equally obvious when he has entered the room. But where exactly this crossing over happens, we have no idea. Now, these examples are fairly simple and easy to work through, and because of this, you likely have never thought about them. You intuitively avoid such questions, and rightfully so. But as we ascend to more interesting topics, this intuition breaks down, and we find ourselves living beyond the limits of language. And to illustrate this, we're going to go through a famous example in the history of theology, the infralapsarian versus superlapsarian debate. Well, what is this debate? Infralapsarians argue that God, in reasoning through the, the creation that he's going to create, the story he's going to write, he starts in his reasoning with the fall, and then he works his way to the elect, or to election. Superlapsarians say, no, God starts with the election, and then works his way backwards to the fall. So election is not in light of the fall for superlapsarians. All right, well, which is correct? This looks like an interesting question. Intuitively, we seem to be onto something of great importance here, but we are lost. Neither position is correct. The question itself is outside the limits of our language game. God's logic is not our logic. God does not process decisions one by one like we do, and then comes to a conclusion. We cannot access God's reasoning processes. We get a window into them via our language game, but we should never confuse our language game with God's. Van Til writes, For this reason, Christians must also believe in two levels of knowledge, the level of God's knowledge, which is absolutely comprehensive and self-contained, and the level of man's knowledge, which is not comprehensive, but is derivative and reinterpretative. He goes on, Hence we say that as Christians we believe that man's Knowledge is analogical of God's knowledge. Thus, every bit of knowledge on the part of man is derivative and reinterpretative. And he says, All the heresies with respect to the Trinity may be reduced to the one great heresy of mixing the eternal and the temporal. This debate, the entire way of thinking caught up in this debate, is a mixing of the temporal with the the eternal. We are trying to leave the limits of our language game and somehow tap into God's language game trying to analyze the order of God's reasoning. But this assumes God's reasoning happens in parts, and we know that to be false. God's thinking is one. He does not move from one part to the next, 
from the fall to the elect or from the elect backward to the fall, God decreed a story with all of its details together. Now, did God reason through his decision to create? Yes, God is rational, after all. But when I use the term reason here, I am using it analogically to how we reason. I have no idea exactly how God reasons through, through these decisions. I know he prioritizes his glory above all else, but that tells me nothing about the mechanics of his reasoning. The infralapsarian versus superlapsarian debate is outside the limits of our language. It, get, it lives in the dark. Wittgenstein writes, My aim is to teach you to pass from a piece of disguised nonsense to something that is patent nonsense. And this debate is disguised nonsense. This is one of many examples where we see Van Til's concept of analogical knowledge pairing very well with Wittgenstein's language games. These concepts complement each other. They are stronger when put together. The second principle, then, of Wittgenstein language games is that all, all language games are limited. When we go beyond these limits, we have left the game entirely and are adrift in darkness. So stay within the limits. Stay within the light. Next week in part three, we'll apply what we have learned thus far to one of the more famous problems in modern philosophy is justified true belief knowledge. That's it for today. For more content like this, you can find us on Twitter at underscore language games. See you next time.